Hi, this is Paul Butler. I'm the Senior Pastor of New Heart Baptist Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. We hope that this podcast will be a great blessing to you and encourage your life. Are you familiar with the phrase, not firing on all cylinders? Yes. Now, you may have heard it referred to someone else of them not firing on all cylinders. You may have also heard about it in terms of like a project that's been worked on and it hasn't worked out, it just didn't fire on all cylinders. Or you may have even used it as a term for yourself. You know, I'm just not firing on all cylinders today. The the phrase is symbolic of an internal combustion engine not working properly. And for some people... When it comes to a noise suddenly happening in their car that they're not used to, rather than getting it attended to, they actually choose to turn up the radio. Can't hear it, there mustn't be a problem anymore. Well, the problem with the not firing on all four cylinders, instead we're only firing on two, is that whilst the car will still run, it'll still have that ability to move from one place to another, it will not be functioning at its full efficiency. Because instead of four spark plugs having the the, um, spark being led through them, it's instead only two. And so for that car, as it's trying to move, whilst it is actually getting from one part to another, it's actually doing so under a reduced power or reduced strength. The same can be true of ourselves, that at times we are actually going, you know what, I'm not really functioning on all four. And it is no truer than when it comes to prayer. There's times where we actually look at our own life in regard to prayer and we can go, yeah, I know I need to pray more. Now, I'm not encouraging us to come under a burden of guilt when it comes to prayer. That is actually not something God is wanting us to do. God wants us to see it as a gift and it's actually something that we're going to expand on together today. But there are things like um, when we look at it of uh, not operating in our full capacity, you know, just thinking about it personally, there are times where... You know, we can, we can express that because of we're just tired. You think of this year, we've gone through an awful lot of the COVID, and, you know, 2020, where we were meant to see clearly and no one really saw this coming. But there's other reasons why we may not be functioning on all four cylinders. Could be age, could be self-induced, or it even could be just plain stupidity. For example, there were two councilmen who were working one day and one's digging holes and the other one's following directly behind him and filling the holes in and and working and digging the hole and one stri- come behind stri- immediately and fill the other one in. And they were doing it for quite a period of time and there was a man who was in the parkland just watching this happen. And, one, you know, and he, after about 30 minutes he finally went, I need to find out what's going on. So he walks up to the two of them and he says, guys, you've been working so hard, I've just been admiring your work, but I just can't understand it. You're digging the hole and you come straight afterwards and fill it in. What's going on? The man who'd been digging the holes, he wiped his brow and he sighed and he said, well, normally we're a three-man team, but the guy who plants the trees is way sick today. (laughs) There are times where we just don't appear to be functioning on all four cylinders. You know, we can have those, I'm sorry, those really stupid, dumb moments. I, I remember when I was back in school, I was watching, we watched the film Macbeth, Polanski's version, which is the really graphic one. And they chop off, at the end of the movie, they chop off his head, put his head on the end of a spear, and here's this guy riding his horse, holding the spear with Macbeth's head down here. 
And, and they see, you can see, firstly, from all the images, all the people that are cheering. But then they take the image as if it's from Macbeth's eyes, looking at all the people cheering at him. And one of the people in my class then suddenly called out, is he still alive? Referring to Macbeth. <laughs> we can have those moments where we are just not operating on all four cylinders. And as I said, the same is true when it comes to prayer. This last week I was talking with a young person. I asked them how they were doing and in the midst of conversation I said to them, and how's your prayer life going? And they looked at me and went, yeah, it's not. I said to them, why's that? And they said to me, I, I just don't know what to say at times. Now that young person's probably not alone in how they feel and what that is. Because prayer at times, it can be daunting. Especially when we hear certain people pray. We can end up comparing ourselves to them and go, I could never pray like that. And so what happens? We just don't. Prayer can be the great unknown. Why should I pray? How do I pray? What if nothing happens when I pray? And what's worse, what if none of my prayers ever get answered? So that what we end up doing is create these obstacles rather than opportunities for prayer. Or we try and take shortcuts just to appease those feelings of guilt of I have to pray so I'll try and do it. In fact, years ago I came across the story of a guy who he was running out the door and he went, oh, I need to pray. Um, I'll do the Lord's Prayer. It's a really quick one. It starts off, our Father who art in heaven. And suddenly he hears this voice, yes. <laughs> and it goes through, if you're not familiar with it, it's quite funny, but it goes through this dialogue between this person and, and God having this conversation and and. All the person goes, God, this is taking a lot longer than I want, what I'm used to. I really don't want, you know, and it was ultimately reality is he wanted to just race through it. We can do the same thing at times. We race through the prayers, but what it ends up doing is it lacks that meaning, it lacks that purpose, it lacks that power that actually is there and should be present when we pray. I know that uh, last week, as I said, we can create obstacles we compare ourselves to others and go, well, I can't pray like that, so I won't. Only last week, at the end of our 9.30 service, Pastor Paul encouraged us to turn the person next to us and pray for them. So I turned to the person next to me and I prayed for them. And then I finished praying and I looked at the person, they looked at me and they went, oh, how do I now pray for a pastor? We create obstacles, don't we, Corinne? she's a prayer warrior she shouldn't have had a problem what do we do we create obstacles none of us are immune to it but all of us should be able to actually overcome it I love you Corinne it's alright do you know rather than putting the limitations we should actually see the opportunities that we have to be able to pray and how prayer changes lives and changes circumstances and prayer changes things but unfortunately, at times, we actually look at it and we go, oh, that person, they're so gifted at praying. Uh, you do it all the time. No true was it when I was pastoring back in Adelaide. And we used to have a time in the service that was called the pastoral prayer. Okay, It was a time where we prayed. We prayed for the missionaries. We prayed for the church. We prayed for the world. We prayed for and on and on it went. It would take at least 10 minutes of a person standing there and they would pray during the middle of the service. Less than 1% of the church congregation would be willing, was willing to get up and be the person who would pray. Why? 
because there was fear and how everyone compared themselves to that person. I could never do that. And so one day, I invited Kim. Kim was one of, our, one of the deacons in the church. He was a bit, I have to say, he was a bit rough around the edges. Great bloke. And I said to him, Kim, I'd love for you to do that pastoral prayer. And he went, oh, yeah, what do I need to do? So we talked a little bit about it. It came to the Sunday, the person who was service leading said, oh, Kim's going to do the pastoral prayer. So Kim walks up to the pulpit, leans on the pulpit, and he says, well, I've been asked to do the pastoral prayer. So what are some of the things we could be praying for? There's a little bit of silence, and then someone said, oh, such and such. And he went, yes, yep. Anything else? Another person, you know, suddenly said that, and he went, yes, Amen. And then as it more and more, and as each person shared, more and more, Kim was just there going after each one and went, yes, yes, amen, yes. And then after it would have been about nearly 10 minutes, he then finally just said, it had gone quiet, he then went, in Jesus' name, amen. And he sat down. It was this beautiful prayer that had empowered people, that got involved and it was great. But what happened was the person who was on stage sitting there service leading, got up from their chair, came to the pulpit and they went, uh, let's pray again. And then did a traditional sort of prayer. You hear the oh no's and oh, you know, it expresses the fact that, you know what, praying is not just reserved for some, praying is all of us. It's not the elite who can just pray, it is prayer that any and every one of us can do. Some of the most beautiful prayers that have ever been prayed have actually been by children who have not had someone tell them what you can and can't do. And unfortunately, when we have people correct us or make us feel inferior as to how we pray, what we actually are left with is going, well, I just don't want to pray. The only one that then celebrates when we don't pray is the devil who's on the sidelines going, woohoo, I'm actually hindering their effectiveness, their relationship with God, because now they're not praying. Prayer, it is talking to God. And so if we don't pray, what we're actually doing is hindering our relationship with God. That's what we are hurting. Prayer, it communicates our reliance upon God and not upon ourselves. And this was the practice of the early church. Now, for the last two weeks, Pastor Paul, he's been speaking about the early church and looking at the book of Acts. And I want to follow on from that this morning in continuing to look at that same theme, that practice of the early church and what they did together. And have you ever thought, what was the prayer of the early church? What did they pray? Or what did it, what did it actually sound like when they prayed? We read in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 44, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. This phrase, they devoted themselves. Pastor Paul has spoken about it for the last two weeks. It's this intentionality, a commitment of what they were doing. But I want to just take it a step further because it's a three-step block that builds on one another in terms of the Greek understanding of it. And what it is, it, it actually, the first level is, is to persist, to persevere in, to continue steadfast in. And then building on that is to show steadfast strength. And then to go on top of that is steadfast strength that prevails. So when we're actually going into devoted in prayer, we're going from strength to step to step to step, and it goes from strength to strength to strength that we are building on it. We actually don't decrease, but rather we increase in that prayer and that prayer life and the effectiveness of it. 
And so they devoted themselves to prayer. Now I hear of some people who, when they pray, they're actually there on their knees and they pray, you know, three hours a day. That is awesome. If that's you, well done. But there are other people who I have to say, when they hear that, they go, I could never do that. And so they don't. So let me contrast it against the people who actually, instead of praying three hours a day, they just pray right throughout the day. They don't set it to a specific time frame. They just pray right throughout the day. Awesome. What are you doing? You're fulfilling 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 17. Pray continually. That's what they're doing. I want to celebrate the fact that prayer is not one thing that we do and then go, finished, now move on. Prayer is a living example of what we do in all of our life and we live it out in every part of our life. It's not compartmentalised. And so it's been said that to pray is to walk in the full light of God and to say simply without holding back, I am human, you are God. Another description is we live in the presence of God when heaven and earth collide in prayer. But for the early church, they came together, they devoted themselves in prayer. This prayer, what we learn from it, it was united. They were together in prayer. It weren't isolations and icebergs, they were together. They shared in that prayer together. It was also centralised. They had this common theme where they shared the heart and the heart of God and they, they purposely prayed together in that. It was also heartfelt. It wasn't rehearsed, wasn't formulated, and it was everyone that was involved. It wasn't just the apostles who prayed. It was all of the early church. The same is true of us. It's not just the pastor or the elders. or It's everyone. Everyone, because we are believers in Christ, that we are together to pray. Contrast that, though, against many years later, the 16th century, we had implemented at that time the common prayer book. That was great at the time because suddenly people were going, I didn't know how to pray, but now I've got these words and I can now pray. What was the problem? We've now had it for a number of centuries since and people are still using the same common book of prayer, the same words that were written years ago, the same words that they're now reiterating today, and they're actually using it just as the same prayer rather than something that comes from the heart. It's only something on the head. I actually had the privilege of praying with someone a number of years back and they actually looked at me and went, Wow, how did you do that? I said, what do you mean? We had prayed together and I just prayed. And they looked, how did you do that? And I went, what do you mean? And they said, oh, well, I need my book of prayer if I'm going to pray. It's really sad that if we're, we have to rely on what someone else has written as a prescript rather than what God is writing on our hearts. The key is that in prayer, what it should be is this flowing out of the heart that is an expression of love to God, knowing how much he has poured out his heart of love upon us. And so Acts, it describes the early church as being devoted in prayer, that it was this reflection of the heart. It wasn't the head, but it's a pouring out of the heart. And it's being devoted in prayer means it was something that they continued to do. It wasn't something they started off strong in, in doing, but rather it was something that they were strong in right at the start, but they continued to build and build and build and build in the effectiveness and the perseverance in prayer. They did not give up, but rather were consistent in prayer. And it was through prayer that they enjoyed this intimate fellowship and the presence of God. Now, just to, to an aside right now, if you are feeling like God is just off in the distance, then the harsh reality is your prayer life is probably lacking. That's the harsh reality at the moment. 
Why? James chapter 4, verse 8 says, Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It starts with us drawing near to God, coming toward him into his heart. And his promise is that he will then come near to us. We learn from the early church in Acts that the prayer also, not only does it bring us closer to God, but it brings us closer to one another. We see the example of the early church that they stood with one another in prayer. They supported one another in prayer. They shared the burdens, the cries of the heart in prayer that they cried out to God from the heart in prayer. But as well as that, prayer, it released the blessings of God. We see countless examples of that, but let me show you the four of them that are there on the screen, that through prayer they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They spoke boldly. They raised the dead, released chains, prison doors were opened all through prayer. Prayer, it brings the breakthrough, but it also brings the deeper walk and relationship with God. What was it that the early church prayed? Well, for me personally, I believe they actually followed on what the disciples, when they said to Jesus, Jesus, teach us to pray. And he taught them how to pray. We read in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 13, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts, that is our sins, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There are people who day after day after day, they read, they actually pray the Lord's Prayer. That's beautiful. But the problem is we can end up being a bit similar to what they're doing with, with, for some people with the, the common book of prayer, that they just mouth the words, but they've actually lost their power, they've lost their meaning, they've lost their effectiveness because we're just mouthing the words. What I feel that this morning is what God's put on my heart is he's wanting us to be able to see that out of the Lord's Prayer, there's actually four key words that we can actually use and develop. And in those words, it's actually praying the Lord's Prayer in a whole beautiful new way. But it actually will actually transform our own prayer life. And so these four areas, let me just show you. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word is adoration. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thanksgiving. Give us today our daily bread. Supplication, that is the asking. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Confession. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, it's the supplication, the asking. Now if we rearrange the first letter of each of those words, adoration, thanksgiving, supplication and confession, we actually get the word acts. And what we're looking at right now is the early church in the book of Acts and their focus on prayer. Acts, that it will help to change and transform our own prayer life. Each of the ones, Acts, first one, A, adoration. Adoration, it just simply means worship, that we adore and we praise God. Only in this last month we were focusing on praise, praise that defeats our enemies, praise that overcomes. It's praising God, that adoration. Praise him for who he is and all he has done. Our praise actually brings us closer to the very heart of God. Scripture says that we are to continually offer praise to God. It's not something we start and stop doing. It's just continually offer praise to God because God delights in our praises. The second one is confession. The Bible tells us that our relationship with God is hindered by the presence of sin in our life. And so confession means agreeing with God about the things that we have done wrong and repenting of them. 
that we confess, repent of that sin, renounce and renew our minds in Christ. It would be in thought, indeed, word, action, that we are expressing the sorrow and we are seeking God's forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Forgiveness, it removes the barrier in our communication with God. And in confessing our sin, it is equally important to receive God's forgiveness. Otherwise, we may, be, may continue to be weighed down by that sin rather than the joy of knowing that we are forgiven. The third one is thanksgiving. It's being thankful to God for who he is, for all he has done, for all he is doing, but also being thankful to God for all he is yet to do. Why? He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows what's to come, that we can give thanks to him for that. It's thanking him for his love, his grace, his mercy, his faithfulness, his promise, his abundance, his goodness, and the list goes on. This Bible actually says that we should thank God every time we enter his presence. Well, guess what? We are in his presence, that we would thank him in all that we do. It's thanking him, knowing that all God has done for us. And sometimes, I thank you for the reminder this morning, Wendy and Peter, just that reminder of what is it that we have to thank God for? Because I know I've actually got three children, and one of them is very good at remembering say thank you. And one of them often forgets. And so that other child who's very good at remembering often will go, giving the gentle hint. Some of us need the gentle hint of to remember to be thankful. And the fourth area is supplication. It means praying for our needs and also the needs of others. This is a part of prayer that many people will actually focus solely on. And as we've just already ascertained, there's three other previous areas, three other areas of prayer that are equally important than just focusing on the asking. The supplication is this humbly requesting God that he would meet the needs of others and even ourselves. That we will pray be it for wisdom or understanding or strength, provision, changing circumstances, healing for those in leadership, for our enemies, for salvation, and the list goes on. Praying God's will and not our own. And just remembering that we pray in our time and the answers come in God's time. Prayer, it changes lives, it changes circumstances. Many of things change and are transformed purely because people have come together and prayed. And unfortunately, there's times where people, things don't change because God's people haven't stood up and prayed. There's a great story of a missionary who came back from overseas on furlough and they were standing there before their church family and they said to them, oh, look, I can just tell you a story after story of how God has answered prayer and, and has just kept me safe. And he said, in fact, let me tell you one. And he started to tell them the story of this one particular time where he would have to travel two days to go and get medical supplies. And it meant he had to stay out in the wilderness overnight all by himself. And he went off and got the things and when he actually um, collected the medical supplies, went back, stayed overnight in isolation all by himself again in the middle of this dense bushland and then made it back safely. And he went, God, you answered that prayer. And he said, but you know, the interesting thing was a week or so later I had one of the, the chiefs of one of the tribes that was nearby come and see me because his son was so sick and when we were able to give the medication and he was, his son was able to be healed... 
as a result of prayer and the medication. That chief then said to me, you were out in the wilderness a few weeks ago and we were ready to actually ambush you and kill you, but you had 13 people standing around you and we wondered where did they come from. And the missionary said, I, I couldn't believe him. I said, no, I was all on my own. And were, again, the chief said, no, you had 13 people standing in white. They were actually standing around you and you, we couldn't come near you because of them. pastor immediately said, what date was that? And the missionary went, oh, actually, it would have been such and such. And the pastor then said, can I get all those people who actually came and prayed that night and we stood in a circle for the missionary because we felt God put it on our heart to stand and to pray. Can you please stand? 13 people stood. We need to not underestimate the power of prayer. Okay? But recognise it's not just about the supplication, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, acts, that we put it and we live it out. If you're feeling this morning guilty, going, yeah, I know, I don't pray enough. No, it's not God that's saying, hey, you need to feel guilty. That comes from the enemy. Don't listen to that lie. The truth is, what God is saying to you this morning is, he loves you and he delights in you and the conversations that he has with you. All he's asking you to do is, each moment of each day, spend it in that communion with him. If you're going, yeah, but I don't know what to pray. Well, guess what? We've just learnt four key areas. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Don't just stand there, pray something. That's the key. Because it's through prayer that we hear God's heart and then we express his heart. Otherwise, it's just words. <laughs>